Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the presentation of the Lord. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up those knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzalo, and it's my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. All right, I gotta be honest. I have no idea what the presentation of the Lord is. Perfect. And I think I sat through it on Sunday. No, you didn't. No? No, oh, good. no, 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 no. <sighs> no. <laughs> you are a better member than you think. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, so what is the presentation of the Lord? So if you were here, and I don't know that you were, you might have been working, one of the Sundays after Christmas, Okay, we had a Sunday where I told the story about Simeon and Anna. Okay, I was here for that. Okay, that's the presentation of the Lord. So I didn't know the pres... You're not helping my case. I know. <laughs> but it's recognized on February 2nd. Okay. So it's not necessarily a Sunday festival. Okay. And it doesn't come up in our readings every single year after Christmas. Okay. It was just one of those that I really like the readings and we don't hear it often. And so I chose to use it. Okay. Which is why we heard it in the sanctuary this year. So let's step back. Yep. And get back to the original question of <laughs> what is it? <laughs> what this is, is it's the day when Mary and Joseph would have brought Jesus to the temple in order to be presented. Okay. And this is something that everybody did? This is an action that you do as an observant Jew. Okay. And this is also part of Mary's cleansing post-childbirth. Oh, fun. Right? So this is the first male child that she has given birth to. Okay. And so she needs to go to the temple and make a sacrifice in order to restore her to community and to celebrate this gift. And Being a woman uh, has always been a pain, man. <laughs> always. So many things to do. Mm -hmm. But the things that this tells you is that one, Mary is an observant Jew. Okay. And so is Joseph. All of the child out of wedlock, whatnot aside. All of that aside, they're going through with the religious practices of their community. They're doing the things that they need to do to honor the Levitical code. So okay. this comes out of the book of Leviticus, the action that they're taking. And they're bringing Jesus to the temple to be presented as a gift, as an honoring to God several days after he's been born. I think, and I should have double-checked before we came up here to record, but I think it's eight days mm -hmm. after the birth of the child, then mother and child go to the temple to be cleansed and welcomed. Okay. And I'm guessing that's the not-going-to-die-in-infancy eight days kind right. of thing? Right. Exactly. So this is the point at time where we can actually name the child. The child's going to survive, made it through the first three to seven days. Wow, we've come a long way. We're now two weeks into a pregnancy. You're picking out names right. and finding out genders and whatnot. Yeah, totally different because you, you don't know. Those, mm -mm. those first days were really, really dangerous for an infant. And so... They've made it, they show up at the temple, and they make their sacrifice. And sacrifice at that time was a literal sacrifice of another life. Okay. And you can, for the firstborn son from the womb, right? So mm -hmm. first child out, well, first male child out. There's a specific distinction, the male child. Well, of course. 
that when that happens, you sacrifice an unblemished lamb, or if you cannot afford that... I'm guessing that was pretty pricey. Then you could sacrifice two turtle doves. Okay. Or pigeons. That would be an equivalent. And so what we see in this... (laughs) I don't think equivalent is the right word. I think good enough. (laughs) Good enough. That's a good point. We'll take it if we have to. Right. So what we notice in this particular gospel is that they don't have the money to sacrifice a lamb, Mm -hmm. that they sacrifice the two birds. This little piece of information tells us that they're observant Jews. It tells us that they are faithful. It tells us that they are poor. Mm -hmm. And that's a fascinating... So. One of the things about this presentation of the Lord, this comes out of the Gospel of Luke. Is it in all of them or nope, just Luke? Just only Luke. in Luke. And the part that I think was really kind of not shocking to me, but just like, oh, I hadn't actually paid that much attention and realized this before. But in the Gospel of Luke, this happens instead of the three wise people. Oh, Okay. So Matthew includes the three wise people who come from afar with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Sure. And then the holy family. Should have been able to afford that unblemished lamb, that one. Exactly. That's one of the big differences here, right? So in Matthew, then, they're warned to leave and they become refugees in Egypt. Mm -hmm. They become undocumented refugees in Egypt. So that's the gospel of Matthew's version of the nativity story, the gospel of Luke, none of that happens. The wise people don't show up. There's no gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Huh. They don't flee to Egypt. It's all... And nobody is concerned about the alternate timelines we got going on here? <laughs> Lots of people are very concerned okay. with the alternate okay. timelines. Another podcast for another day. Right. But in this gospel, mm-hmm. instead, we have this presentation at the temple. And the baby is brought to the temple and the wise people who affirm the identity of Jesus instead of being the wise men are two individuals in the temple, one named Simeon and one named Anna. Okay. So we've still had the shepherds and the angel. Mm -hmm. Yes. And now we have some other people saying, yep, this is the guy. Exactly. Okay. In the same way that the wise people affirm the identity of Jesus in the roles almost of Jesus, with the gold for the king, the frankincense for the priestly, and then the myrrh as someone who is going to die. Okay. That's the symbolism going on there. Now, when Jesus shows up at the temple and meets Simeon and Anna, you get similar kind of information. The first one that Mary and Joseph meet is Simeon, and he is someone who has been in the temple. He has been promised by God that he will not die until he sees the Messiah. Okay. And so Simeon is spending his life waiting and knowing that he will see the Messiah. Is he old at this point? Don't know. Okay. That's the part that I find really interesting as well, because A lot of the depictions of Simeon and Anna, they're both very old. Mm -hmm. It would make sense. Right? Wait a long time for this to happen. But we don't actually know how old Simeon is. Okay. He could be in his 30s, 40s. I didn't see any indication of age in the scripture text. Now, if I'm wrong, totally send it in to me. I would love someone to prove me wrong. But I didn't actually see any indicator of age there. So Simeon knows that he's going to see the Messiah every day he gets up. 
He goes, he's watching and he's waiting. But how does he know? No idea. Okay. I guess just shaking my head isn't going to translate across other <laughs> That's so much not through a podcast. <laughs> we don't know how we he don't knows. know that either. We don't okay. know that information. What we do know is that when he sees Jesus, he recognizes him as the Messiah. Okay. He knows what's going on. And he says the words, now let your servant depart in peace for my eyes have seen your glory. And there's a whole piece of music that has been created to use these words of Simeon. It's called the Nunc Dimittis. Okay. And that is the Latin for let your servant depart in peace. Okay. And Simeon talks about how my eyes have seen your salvation, a light for all nations, and hope for your people. And then he looks to Mary and says, this isn't going to be an easy life. People are going to... <laughs> I think to, she figured that out when the angel first came. Right, showed up. People are going to rise and fall because mm-hmm. of this child. And your heart is going to be pierced. So, you know, you're holding your eight-day-old baby. You're, you're exhausted. <laughs> exhausted. Happy everybody's alive. Doing and then what you, you get that little do, tidbit. Right. Oy. Fascinating to be Mary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're far away from home because oh, yeah. you're still, they were in Bethlehem. They were still close enough to go to the temple in Jerusalem to make this sacrifice. So that's what word Mary gets from Simeon. And it's powerful. It's powerful. It matches up with Luke is also the gospel where Mary sings her Magnificat. Mm-hmm. And so it matches up with this strong song that she sings of the world being turned upside down. And Simeon sees this Messiah not in the arms of the wealthiest, not in the arms of the powerful players. Simeon sees the Messiah in the arms of this poor couple, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting as Mm -hmm. well. No gold frankincense and myrrh dowry going on here. No. This is a couple that need to sacrifice turtle doves in order to do this work. The anti-silver spoon, basically. It, right? And the world is going to turn upside down. Powerful okay. rulers will rise and fall because of this child. So those are the words of Simeon. So then there's Anna. And Anna has been in the temple for her life. She was a faithful woman. She had been married to uh, her husband for some years and then a widow for many, many years. She's in her 80s. Which is more than ancient for the time. Right? I mean, it's substantial in our own time, Mm -hmm. much less in ye old ancient days. Mm -hmm. And so we have Anna who's there, and Anna also sees this child and affirms the identity of the baby as this is the Messiah coming into the world. And then Anna, like, starts telling everybody, anybody who's going to listen. Like, she goes out and haphazardly, like, hey, yo, that Messiah you've been waiting for, over there, that baby, like, just starts telling everybody. But do they believe her, or is it another Cassandra where they're like, yeah, sure. (laughs) What a great (laughs) correlation. Don't know. Okay. They don't make it clear whether or not she is The important part is that she continues to go out and tell. The important part is the very first person to go tell the story 
as a woman in nice. Luke's gospel, right? So uh-huh. again, it's these situations where Zachariah and Elizabeth, Zachariah is silenced and Elizabeth is the one who recognizes who Jesus is and tells the story. Mary and Joseph, Mary is the one who tells the story and believes. Then you get Simeon and Anna throughout the gospel of Luke. What's fascinating is that in these two chapters, you're already getting set up some really clear concepts of the gospel of Luke that are going to hold true through the entire thing. So there's almost always a gender pairing of a male and a female voice. Okay. And throughout the gospel of Luke, quite often it is the female voice that tells the story of Jesus and remembers and recognizes. It will be affirmed by the masculine voices, but oftentimes it's the feminine voice that goes out and shares the story. Okay, remind me how much longer we are listening to Luke in our season, so as it were. this year is not the book of Luke. Okay. This year is actually the book of Mark. But and that be- begins when? That began in Advent. Oh, okay. But because there is no nativity story in the book of Mark, because Mark starts uh-huh. at the baptism, you have to use some of Matthew and some of Luke in the year of Mark in order to have a nativity story. And on festival days, such as Presentation of Our Lord, it doesn't... typically get Luke anyway, right? Right. You're going to get that part of the story because that's the only version of the story there is. It's not in any of the other Gospels. So you're going to hear it from Luke. Okay. So we're calling it the Presentation of the Lord. Is he actually named the Lord at this point? No. No. This is just the church speak for it. Okay. And the festival day when it's honored kind of a thing. Okay. So no. And it's not even set where it would chronologically be located, right? It's just observed on this day. So most congregations are not going to be celebrating this festival, but it was a festival coming up Mm -hmm. that was worth pulling out and talking about. So February 2nd is that festival day. Okay. So I think this leads us into our last question. At one point, When I do remember being in the service when you were talking about this, (laughs) Uh you had said that this comes up really rarely. Yes. But you enjoy it a lot. Mm. Do you think it should get more play? Mm, That's a good question. I think that Simeon and Anna are such fascinating pieces to our puzzle. And I think their words, especially Simeon's warning and Anna's telling, I think that they are fascinating enough figures in our scripture that they do deserve a little more recognition and a little more time. It's an interesting balance between the, we found him, it's going to be rough, and then what seems like Anna's outright enthusiasm. Right. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Because I think for me, that's my experience of the Christian faith. Like, yeah, this is it. Oh, this is really hard. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Sure. That basically summarizes my entire Christian experience. And so maybe that's why I resonate so much with Simeon and Anna. And I think they're just great figures. And I love the Nunc Dimittis. Oftentimes the music that it is set to is so beautiful. Yeah. And it's so relatively unused. That piece of music is relatively unused. The phrase, I know, I have heard sung. Mm -hmm. And there is a particular passage of music that tends to go with it in my mind, Mm -hmm. but it's not something I could say I've heard a lot. No. And part of it is that we have so much in our liturgy 
that we could use. Oh, sure. But our services here already run like an hour and 20 minutes. So <laughs> Yes, they do. <laughs> right. And, and we can try and cut that down. And at the same time, it's really hard to find pieces to cut out anymore because we've already well, cut out so much. there's a certain much. amount of it where it's just if we started on time. <laughs> <laughs> we do start at every day. But people trickle in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so, a five-minute lead time on yeah, some of that. Some of that there is. If we had a service where we pulled some of the other elements, then that could go in. When that is in, that belongs after communion. Oh, okay. So once you've received communion, then you sing, my eyes have seen the Lord, the light of our salvation, and you can dismiss me in peace. Interesting. So it's a beautiful piece. I will try to link to it for those of you who catch the actual website. There you go. Go looking for it. And there's lots and lots and lots of settings of it. So if you find one on YouTube that you don't like, just keep scrolling. Do you have a favorite? I do. It's one written by a musician named Kelly Carlisle. He serves actually in Salem, and he served at the congregation where I did my internship at in Clackamas Mm -hmm. back in 2002. Mm. And he has written a Nunc Dimittis that is absolutely beautiful. Excellent. We'll try to track that down and put it on the website as well. Yep. If he's got a recording of it, that Mm, would be awesome. We'll see. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the presentation of the Lord. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And as always, you can reach us by coming and visiting us on Facebook, leaving us a message by a review on iTunes, or of course, sending us an email at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>